Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Insightful. Informative. Irreverent. We're ready. 1220 KDOW presents Rob Black and Your Money. Your source for breaking news, market updates, and successful investment strategies for the 21st century. Sounds like a great program. Getting you to retirement in today's market. So let's get on with the show. Taxes, family finance, insurance, the economy, technology, media, and entertainment. Rob is talking about it with you at 800-516-1220. So call in. We'll chat and uh, have some fun. Now to start your day with the latest news and market commentary. Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's business leader, 1220 KDOW. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. One of the things I'm going to talk about later today is Kakibo, the Japanese art of saving money. Can't make this stuff up, can I? I could, but it certainly wouldn't be as entertaining. 800-516-1220 to each calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to each calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing, and more. Stocks hit record highs again yesterday. Gold's kind of interesting to watch right now. Yesterday, the escalation of tension with U.S. and Iran started de-escalating. And people go, well, that's a good reason to buy stocks. Now, last time I checked last year, we were hyper-focused on China in the U.S., 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 then we got, oh, January, China, U.S. and Iran. And then that kind of went away after three days. It's like, ah, thought that was going to have more tackiness to it. But it didn't yet. But I guess at any point in time, it could always come back because the strike by the U.S. on the part of taking out a general from the Iranian army, that came out of kind of nowhere. Not if you're in the intelligence community and not if like you know who the list of bad guys is, but it felt like it came out of nowhere. You know, over the holidays, my some of my in-laws were very, very Californian. And the true Californians in Northern California, I think there's two political parties. There's Democrats and there's liberals. And the Republicans kind of hide in Northern California. She's on the very, very liberal side. And the Democrats hate the liberals, and the liberals hate the Democrats. Anyway, long story short, where does this go? She thought there was going to be war, and she was nervous about it, and nervous about selling stocks and the stock market and things like that. I was like, don't. If I had a nickel for every war that didn't get started, kind of thing. So, the World Bank is in the news. And they're cutting their global growth forecast for 2020 
2.5% global growth down from 2.7%. That's not the best news. Again, I, I work in an area where you kind of get a lot of news and you kind of massage it. You find what flags are worth defending and what flags are worth going after. And that's a flag that's, 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 that's what tough one to defend. Anytime you see growth forecasts cut on an international level, not a good thing. Look, I'll be quite honest with you. I uh, once interviewed a former Secretary of Defense in the United States. And we were talking about post 9-11 economies and what have you. You know, economies going forward no matter what. If there's a terrible terrorist attack in Paris on Christmas, if there's a terrible terrorist attack in September in, D- in the United States, if they're like, it just has to go forward. And he goes, the best thing you can hope for is that ultimately we give them a lot of money and their their cost of living changes, their their quality of life changes, their productivity changes, their economies change. If you give nations that hate the United States an economy, they can focus on that and not focus on you know all our piles of plastic and all of our things that we have. Not so good news out of Bed Bath and Beyond, Kohl's and L Brands. Those are three very different companies. Bed Bath and Beyond to me is kind of like, well, it's the Home Depot of throw pillows. You kind of have to have throw pillows in your home, just like you have to have hammers and nails and wood and fences and paint and stuff like that that you get from Home Depot. But the Bed Bath & Beyonds, the problem I have is I haven't been in one in 10 years. 25 years ago when I was buying my first home, I was like, honey, let's go to Bed Bath & Beyond and get throw pillows. Like, that was the thing. And now I was like, I want nothing to do with going anywhere, anytime. Bring it to me, Amazon, now! So I haven't been in a Bed Bath & Beyond in 10 years, at least. And again, it's, I used to do something kind of silly. I said, if you ever see me in a radio shack, I'll give you $100,000 cash. I can do the same thing with Bed Bath & Beyond because I'm not going to be going into one. Kohl's is a little bit different. Kohl's is one of those discounters. And it tends to do very well in a good economy, and it tends to do even better in a bad economy. L Brands, I'm just going to assume it's old women's lingerie at this point in time. Victoria's Secret. That's the big driver of L Brands. And younger women today, millennials are like, we want something that doesn't look like our moms. Or we want something more functional. Or we want something more, you know, suitable for the planet. I don't know. I am not a lingerie expert. I wish there was a job called lingerie expert, but there isn't, and I'm not one. So the only one that really bothers me in there, because Bed Bath Beyond is kind of a mausoleum of retail space. When you go into one, it's just so big. The price, the amount of sales they make per square foot, not as impressive as, say, an Apple store. Kohl's has got me a little flummoxed. I need to look into their, their call on that. Germany reported a decline in exports and imports for November. Germany used to be a lot more of an important economy than it is now. Because back in the 90s and early 2000s, we were like, oh, it's all about U.S. and Japan and Germany. And then, dun, 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 ancient Chinese secret. Don't count us out. China. 
So China's economy became really important right around the time they hosted the Summer Olympics for the first time. And they, they highlighted how great their country is. That's what the Olympics are all about, according to the Olympics. Goldman Sachs got an upgrade to buy from neutral. I like that call. You know, I'm telling you, Coles is scratching my head a little bit this morning. Goldman Sachs, I like because it's a big money center bank. It's a big, big, big bank. They've gotten a little bit too into you and me, the peons of the investment banking world and less of the corporate world. When they signed on to do the Apple credit card, it was their way of saying, uh, those people that we've never, ever served as clientele before, we will service as clientele now. That's bothersome to me, but I like seeing an upgrade of a big financial institution. It, it smells of economic activity. Credit Suisse upgraded Coca-Cola to outperform from neutral. I don't own shares of Coca-Cola. I would have no shame in owning shares of Coca-Cola. They make Coke, they make orange juice, they make uh, water, water, water. And I don't know what rapper it was, but a couple years ago, rappers like, last time I checked, water's free. Why is Coca-Cola charging $2? And uh, he was angry about it. And Coca-Cola responded, or someone responded by saying, I'm pretty sure if you go turn on a water fountain, it's not free. Which is kind of interesting, right? God, do you remember growing up drinking out of a hose? Or is that just an East Coast hillbilly thing? I'm not a hillbilly. I loved it. At one point in time, someone was referred to hillbillies as hilly billies. Uh, Mizuho analyst firm upgraded advanced micro devices. Again, another bullish call. I like the Coca-Cola consumer products. I like the AMD semiconductors technology. I like the Goldman Sachs money banks. Um, and Costco had good same-source sales. So, check. We're in market record territory again. Find me online at Rob Black Show. Seminar coming up. Listen to the commercials. Making financial sense of your portfolio. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. Nearly all corporate CFOs say the economy is going to slow and the stock market is overvalued. I agree. A little group think maybe, maybe that's negative. Um, this is starting to get to valuations that are some of the richest that I've ever seen on the quote unquote overall S&P 500, kind of like swath of stocks. Now, again, your stock may not be, but the group looks it. Verizon said it's dropping traditional cable bundles that are often bound by annual contracts and hidden fees in an attempt to prevent customers from cutting the cord. Under the new offering, customers choosing internet and TV plans separately will pay by the month. Yeah, those Comcast 
cable contracts when compared to the YouTube TV non-contract, you go, hmm, I don't know if I like being locked in. Now, sometimes locked in is a good thing. Sometimes locked in is a bad thing, right? But convenience and the day of Netflix, one day you have a Netflix and one day you have Disney. And you can turn them on and off that fast. So Verizon's trying to get more hip. Trying to be less of the your grandfather's phone company and more of your modern internet company out there. Um, I don't get what's going on with Apple. Just so you know, it's up another $5 today, sitting at three hundred eight forty-seven. Um, it's melting up. There's no news out there saying anything like, this is going to be the best iPhone season ever. A lot of the news is they're using their cash to buy back their shares and their net income's actually dropping, but their earnings per share is growing because they're buying back shares. A little bit of financial engineering. Not necessarily good or bad. You have to pass judgment on that yourself if you want companies buying back shares or increasing the dividend or putting more money into capital expenditures. Or I, I don't... I don't want to judge how you judge how a company spends their money. But Gene Munster's out there saying Apple could be a $2 trillion company, of which we all had problems. We all had conceptual issues in the financial media world wrapping our head around the first trillion dollar company. And then boom, it happened. It was a race. Was it going to be Amazon? Was it going to be Apple? Was it going to be ExxonMobil? Was it going to be Amazon? Was it going to be Apple? Was it going to be Google? And in the end, it doesn't really matter who got there. We got there, we broke through the ceiling, a couple companies have done it. And we feel, well, okay, been there, done that. Now, what's the next one? A gazillion dollar company? Because like, oh, we've seen trillion dollar companies, so what's just two trillion? We need to see a gazillion. That is impressive. So the Apple Watch is going to stay a juggernaut for growth. Apple Watch is growing 20 to 30% over the next five years as consumers stay focused on improving their health. Apple's going to unveil five new iPhones later this year instead of the usual three, two being 5G capable. The arrival of 5G should trigger a mass upgrade, but we said that about the 11 and we said that about the 10. That phones get old. Apple actually stopped servicing products that are like five years old. I don't know if that's the key date, but it feels like it. I don't know. Did you see Ronaldo? Was it Ronaldo? Yeah, it was Ronaldo. Coming out of a soccer match the other day, had an iPod from like seven or eight years ago that's not even supported or upgraded anymore. And people are like, Ronaldo's got an Apple product that's eight years old. It's probably worth $10. He can certainly afford a brand new gold one. It was kind of refreshing to see him use an old technology. I think it was technically the iPod Nano. Do you remember that little square that we had? Yes, people had those. Munster believes fundamental drivers are enough to re-rate Apple stock with more premium priced earnings multiple. So last year we were pretty comfortable saying Apple doesn't look expensive compared to the market. It's trading around 15 times, and if the market's trading around 15 times earnings, it's fine. Now, Gene Munster's saying, we may think of it as a 30 times rated company. Microsoft has a P of 26, so why shouldn't Apple 
Apple has a PE right now of 20.2. The overall market is right around 20.2. Historically, we are, are fair valued around 15 times earnings on the overall market. Discount at 10 to 12 times earnings. Premium at 18 to 20. So now that Apple's at 20 and Microsoft's at 26, now Microsoft is considered more of a software company, right? Office and Windows and the cloud stuff where we don't actually have to have a box in our home and they don't actually have to, well, they, they are going out and buying a lot of boxes, just so you know, to make that cloud thing happen. But Apple's more of a hardware company, so hardware companies typically didn't have great multiples, in the last 30 years, as we went through the process of rating companies, we'd say, well, hardware can't make as much money because, well, there's hard stuff. Software, you write the code for Windows once and then you copy it a bazillion times. How many times are you going to use the word bazillion? Or a gazillion? Or quadrillion? How many times are you going to use those in a, a, section, a segment? So Munster has a $350 share price on Apple for 2020. That's up about about 18% from where it is right now. And he thinks it'll be a $1.7 trillion company by the end of the year. Apple stock is up 100% in the last year. Essentially gone from about $600 million to $1.2 trillion, right? As far as market valuation goes. I'm happy. I'm thrilled. I still own shares of Apple. Um, but it's tough to explain why well, it's not tough to explain. Everyone on the planet owns shares of Apple, it feels like. And if you don't own shares of Apple, yeah, you get the idea, right? So I'm going to talk a little bit about Kakee Bowl. But I'm going to save that for another segment. It's a way of saving money that's fascinating to me. It's the Japanese way of saving money. And if you know anything about the Japanese culture, and I was born in Japan, so I'm allowed to appropriate it and make it my own. Um, if you know anything about the Japanese culture, um, the fascination with tidiness and small, um, it's, it's cultural. And their approach to money is very, very, very similar. No, no, not their approach, but the Kibo approach is very similar. Macy's closing 30 stores. Again, it brings up the question like at Nicole's and in the world of Amazon's did Amazon kill Sears and JCPenney's? I think they kind of did. Or maybe modern retail killed them. But uh, was it Target? Was it Walmart? Was it Amazon? I can't find a good compelling case on a Macy's. Target, I can make one that they really embrace the internet and curbside delivery and, and modern America and you know, design with a, a, out a crazy uh, price tag to, with it. But uh, Sears and JCPenney's, they just gave up like 100 years ago. Like, let's just make horrible clothes. They never change with the consumer. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, more. Find me online at Rob Black Show. Big seminar coming up. You can learn more at Rob Black Show. Use code Radio25 to get in for free. Your comments and questions are always welcome. Visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money 
on AM 1220 KDOW. kind of feel that this is the ultimate hipster band. Kind of want to look like a Lumineer for Halloween. I used to do a half hour TV show for about three years here in San Francisco. Now I do about five minutes because news decided, you know, in the 2000s, people wanted to day trade and finding a sponsor for a money show was super easy. Just Get a day trader, get E-Trade, get Schwab, get people who can make accounts and mutual funds. And There's so many people you could find to sponsor a TV show when people are speculative. Right now, it's starting to feel a little speculative again as far as what's going on in Wall Street. I own shares of Apple, and I feel uncomfortable with how much money is being made at this point in time by everyone. Does that make sense? What bothers me is... I look around and I go, everyone's making money. There's like no discrimination here. If you are in the stock market, you're at an all-time high right now. And that's all you need to know, right? And that's not all you need to know in theory. You should know. You should be searching for a little bit more. But there was a man I had on my TV show many, 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 many years ago. Um, he's local. He's in Marin. Name is Neil Hennessy. He's a fund manager. Now, what I loved about him on TV was he has mutual funds written. He would just be very frank and very honest and very colorful. I don't want to get cliche and say, oh, Hennessy, Neil, oh, Hennessy, Irish, happy guy, lots of kids. He had happy. He, he was a happy guy. He probably did a little beer drinking on occasion and he has lots of kids. Um, but what struck me was he looked a spitting image of Dr. Phil. And he didn't see it. And how you don't see it when you're like like a big lumbering guy and you are balding and you got the must, it's same must, same kind of southern draw thing going on. Yep. But what I loved about him was I said, so where do you see the market? And this was back when the Dow was at 15,000. He goes, well, Rob, in 30 years, in 15 years, and blah, 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 in seven years. Seven years, I see the market at Dow 30,000. I'm like, Neil, you can't say that. That's like saying fire in a movie theater. You can't know. You're not supposed to do that. And he goes, but Rob, that's just the market double in every 7.2 years. So I'm just saying that. And I was like, well, okay, let's think about it. Let's think about it. He's right. I didn't steal his concept, but I'm not impressed with big round numbers anymore. Because right now the Dow is at 20,000. Dow at 40,000 doesn't mean anything different to you or to me. It's just a big round number. Do you own all the stocks in the Dow 30? Probably not. Do you own the Dow 30? Probably not. If there's any market that we should be watching, it's the S&P 500, but I hate that market. I know you're saying you have a lot of hate in you. The S&P 500 is market weighted. So as Apple and Microsoft do, so does the S&P 500. 498 companies have stink years, but if the two biggest ones have great years... It may be a push. So I tend to like different type of markets. Like a Russell 3000, a Wilshire 5000, just kind of more diverse and not market weighted. As far as reporting goes. 
But Jerry May Siegel, the professor of finance at the University of Pennsylvania's Wharton School of Business, expressed what he perceives as one of the biggest market risks in 2020. He forecast that the Dow Jones Industrial Average would see 20,000 at the end of 2015, says that the market fundamentals are sufficient to support the recent run-up. He's a fascinating dude. Some of these um, uh, economists, I think that's the fairest way of saying this, some of these economists come from like Harvard and Wharton School of Business and things along those lines, and they, they're kind of like paid spokesperson for the college. Um, but he gets on CNBC on a regular basis. He thinks the market is fully valued and not undervalued. But he doesn't think it's overvalued. We're using the term valued and overvalued a lot right now. Now, an economist could have a projection and not see an assassination of an Iranian general coming. So that's why you can't ever go, well, this guy's the greatest guy ever. I'm going to do whatever he says. Talked to though recently about how the U.S. is less impacted by oil shocks than we were years ago, as the United States has not found more oil in the United States, but we've started developing more oil in the United States. Siegel's forecast that Dow may hit forty thousand next four or five years unless something derails the market's bull run. He could say we're four or five years away from Dow 40,000. And again, I throw that out there because I'm not that impressed with that number. And I kind of want you to stop to be impressed with those numbers. I got into a, a pisser of a fight with a manager here in television. Uh, he was all excited when the Dow hit 14,000. And he's like, I want you to go on and talk about Dow 14,000. I'm like, no, it's not that big of a story. I said, the story is Intel and Microsoft driving the markets higher, something like that. Tech is where, you know, is carrying this, this, this big load. No, you don't want that. So when I went on and I was interviewed by the anchor, the anchor goes, Dow 14,000? I'm like, yeah, it's just a big round number. Now let's talk about why we got there. Uh, so he got mad at me for just saying it's a big round number. But maybe I wasn't playing nicely. Anyhow, I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money investing, and more. Call the show, 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Let's talk a little bit about Kibo. Um, Japan, Japan, it's a budgeting method. Uh, translates Kibo into household financial ledger. It was invented by a woman in 1904, Hane Mutoko. She was Japan's first female journalist. It's simple. It's no frills. There's a woman on Netflix, but she's bigger than Netflix. Like she does these seminars and coming to San Francisco, Marie Kodo. And she's all about tidying up the house. And like, it's, it's a fascinating show because I think she did like a learning channel show before too. She comes into your house and she tidies it up and she looks at your closet and it's like, oh no, hurricane hit. But she's using a translator. She goes, don't, don't, and the interpreter goes, oh no, great, hurricane hit your closet. And there's something kind of cute about that. It's different television, I don't know. But she tries to get people to keep tidier. And I think in this day and age where we're living in smaller and smaller homes, where millennials are willing to buy smaller and smaller homes, I think tidy is kind of a thing. Some people don't struggle with overspending and can live a satisfying life with just the essentials. 
Um, I don't know. I certainly have some things that I overspend on, but I think we all do. Uh, my producer was giving me a little flack this morning. You guys, oh, 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 you've got a fancy second house. I do. And I'm like, oh, 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 you have a fancy headset. He does. And like, we all have budgetary problems. So trying to figure out Kakibo to keep things simple might not be horrible. But I could already see this as a disaster when brushed up against me, who I've got some expensive tastes. I'm not a Subway kind of guy. I don't need six inches for $5. I'd rather get the food that I want for 15 I know. It's a bad financial habit. I don't find value in food because it's cheaper. So spending habits are deeply cemented into us. And the idea of doing a simpler budget, I could see not working for a lot of people. But the Kikibo method makes you ask yourself before buying anything that's non-essential. Like seven or eight questions, and I was fascinated by these. One of them was, can I live without this item? Well, I don't need a second home, and he doesn't need a fancy headset. It's right there. We just saved a million on a home and 400 on a headset. 400 for a young man who's 25. Let's think here. That's going to be 800 by the time he's 32. It's going to be 1600 by the time he's 40. It's going to be 3200 by the time he's 48. It's going to be 6400 Like, Do you see how that $400 just became part of his retirement? Can I live without this item? It's a good question. Next question is, based on my financial situation, can I afford it? You can see the journalist here, right? Can I live without it? Can I afford it? Third question to ask yourself before buying anything that is non-essential is, will I actually use it? A second home that you use... You know, four weeks of the year, not a good usage. No, it's, it's, it's tough to justify. Number four on her questions for Kibo, do I have space for it? Number five, how did I come across it in the first place? I fell in love with Tahoe when I first came to the Bay Area 20 years ago. And I was on a date with a beautiful woman, and she says, let's go to Tahoe. And we did. And it was, it, it just happened to be a, a weekend where it snowed 36 inches of lovely, powdery, fluffy stuff. And squaw and hot tubs and, like, good times. You know, uh, mountains and snow on trees. So the first time I fell into Tahoe, it was magical. It's, like, it wasn't brought to me by a magazine. But do you see why you would ask that question? Did you wander into a gift shop because you're bored? Did you pick up a newspaper? Did you have some sort of silly romantic notion that it's always going to be snow and 36 inches of fluffy stuff? The next question on Kikibo is, what's your emotional state today? Are you calmed? Are you stressed? Are you celebratory? Are you happy you've made so much money in the stock market that you're willing to splurge? And number six, the final question is, how do I feel about buying it? Happy, excited, indifferent. Your emotional relationship with money can really stop you from overspending. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial.
visit Rob Black online at robblack.com. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Teach calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220. New year, right? New you. I probably gained some weight in 2019. I'd like to cut some weight in 2020. New Harris poll from TD Ameritrade said many Americans would benefit financially from a dry January. How many of my calories are coming from alcohol? How many of my calories are coming from food, healthy food versus non-healthy food, right? This survey found that millennials spend about $300 a month on alcohol or about $56 per outing. So I was reading the survey. I was like, I wonder if weed's involved in this I just, for some reason, the weirdo in me says that millennials are probably doing more marijuana because it's legalized in more states than it was when I was younger. And as a non-needed buzz, alcohol, and a non-needed buzz, marijuana, how much of our discretionary money is going there? This poll found that millennials spend 300 a month on alcohol or 56 bucks per outing. Key in on the word outing. Generation X spend about 150 a month on booze. And baby boomers about $97. Dining out is a big role in it. Millennials cliche. True or false? I don't know. They tend not to eat at home. They like their food coming to them and they tend to like to have the experience. So says the cliche. I once knew a millennial. And her and her boyfriend went to a white party on New Year's Eve. And I'm like, why did you get a, it's a DJ, everyone wears white, okay. And I'm like, why did you do that? Why not just go to like, see the big ball fall down from the sky and go 10, 9, 8, 7, 6. Because it was like $500 each for all the drink, all the booze you could drink, except for there's a line and you can't drink that much booze and then it's bad booze. And all the food you could eat, except for there's a line and it's not that good of food, Right. So I don't get it. I'm not a big experience guy when it comes to value. Uh, I don't like wasting money. So 58% of millennials surveyed order alcohol or alcoholic beverages when they eat out. You can save a lot of money if when you eat out you just do water. Every waiter and waitress is going, no, 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 don't say that. Every, every small restaurant owner is like, no, 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 don't say that. With food comes alcohol. Living in San Francisco, you order hummus and a glass of wine. You just spent $50. You order just the hummus, and you're on like 10 or 12 So there's something called dry January, which sounds, and I got to be careful, because I used to be able to make jokes like, oh, that sounds like a war crime, and now that's not funny. Um, or I could say, that sounds like being in a prison camp. No, that's not funny either. Dry January 
turns out is a great way to detox from the ravages of that great rich holiday diet that we had ham and more ham and turkey and gravy and potatoes and butter and rolls and butter right so we need to detox a bit so a weekend of drinking can cost anywhere to from 300 to 400 dollars on the high end 50 to 60 bucks on the low end like I was telling a friend the other day, one of the biggest financial mistakes I ever made was I bought season tickets to a hockey team, 41 games. And I had been to like probably four games a season. They're always fun. You get a good buzz on. You watch some good hockey. It's back and forth action. I think it's the best sport to watch live. But it's not the tickets that, that I freaked out about. It's how much I was spending on, on concessions and how many games I wasn't just flat out going to. Someone asked, and that's, it was the concessions that was the real killer. But anyway, if you make a commitment not to drink, it all trickles down to making smarter decisions. When you're not drinking, you're not going out as much. So you're less likely to eat garbage and go to bed late. So I get the dry January thing. And I, I like the idea of if every time you were to go out, you give yourself $10, $15 for an investment instead of $10, $15 for beer or wine at a bar. I like that. Just over half of millennials in the survey intend to take a dry January compared to 35% of generation extras and 23% of members. I'm surprised there's that many people swearing off alcohol for January. 50% of millennials? That doesn't sound right. 35% of generation Xers. So millennials age 22 to 38 are of prime partying age. Many tend to live in cities where it's more expensive to drink. So I was trying to get at where there's a difference between partying in Portland and partying, and when I say party, just to eat, going out to dinner with friends. Going out to dinner with friends uh, in Portland versus par- going out to dinner with friends in San Francisco. So, and think if you go further back, but a lot of people just as part of their living, I was talking to Will Tran, who's a, a fantastic reporter at Cron. He goes, Rob, 25 years ago, a news guy in the newsroom pulled me aside and said, and you can't believe he's like, Will's 50 and he looks like he's 14. He said, a news guy pulled me aside and he said, uh, you got to put money in your 401k. He said, I didn't do it because I couldn't afford it. And I'm like, did you go out and how, did you eat at restaurants in the last 25 years? He's like, yeah. I'm like, well, then you could have afforded it. He was spending 300 to $400 every month. And sometimes that's just you know drinking one to two, three times a week. Sometimes it's going out to a really high-end restaurant. I don't know. 81% of millennials in the TD Ameritrade survey said that cutting back on alcohol made them realize how much they were spending on alcohol. That's a fascinating statement. And then there's people who just completely abstain, and they seem to have more money than everyone else, and they seem not to get DUIs. DUIs are $10,000 in, in California. They ain't cheap. Second one's 20000 I don't know how those costs are affected, but that's what I'm told. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money investing, more. Big seminar coming up. You can sign up at Rob Black Show. List the commercial for more information. 